Hello, and welcome to our first episode of our first episode. It's the only time that's going to be true. Yeah, it won't work anymore. So we're only going to make one episode of this show, which actually (laughs) there's a decent chance of that. (laughs) Judging on our our podcast history. Not this time. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm Michael Neerstead, and I'm joined with uh, Kevin Hotalon on the other side. Hello. And this is a show about pilots. So the first episode of TV shows. And uh, we're going to critique them. Um, And we have a few little segments we'll do throughout the show. We're going to try to keep it within an hour. We'll see how successful we are with that. We decided to do this because I don't feel like there's a show about specifically about television pilots. Not that I've seen. Because pilots are weird. Yeah. Pilots are often weird. Um, they are often not very good, even for great shows. They can sometimes not be that good. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and often I think the thing that really makes them interesting is that they, a lot of the time are not really like the show that they started. <laughs> yeah. And so that's definitely that's, true. Yeah. It's, it's something that we're going to explore that as we go along. Cause some of these things are very odd compared to the show that it ends up being. Yeah, and, and so you may wonder, why should I listen to you guys about uh, critiquing television? And the answer is, maybe you shouldn't. I don't know. But uh, we've we've watched a lot of television. I'm sure you have, too. And, uh, you know, you can judge for yourself what your thoughts are about how we critique things. I've never really done critiques of media as far as, like, television and movies that are, are more f- formally, like, about something specific. So I'm sure that... Uh, will probably form some kind of method for for how we talk about these things as we go along. Yeah, so and I guess the only thing is is this this is not a serious podcast. We're we're definitely going to kind of be making fun of these shows, but we'll also be critiquing them by the end and giving our honest opinions about them. So Yeah, I think it's um, safe to say we'll do shows that we like and that we dislike, you know. I I I look forward to doing pilots of shows that I enjoy because it's going to be fun to look back and be like, wow, that was actually kind of bad, but. (laughs) (laughs) Watch the pilot to like, uh, um, what's a show I really liked? Um, Like Pete and Pete. Watch pilot to Pete and Pete and be like, oh, this doesn't age very well. I don't remember at all what the pilot for that was like. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, So, yeah. So we're going to start off um, in our first episode we thought it'd be appropriate to do something very well known um, so people could like connect with it easily. Um, and so we're going to do the show Friends. Yep. And uh, yeah, so Friends, uh, I don't think I need to tell you what Friends is because Friends is still something a lot of people watch. Oh, yeah, it's still in the um, zeitgeist for sure. Yeah. Um, so. Um, I wanted to ask you first, Kevin, though, like what what's your like experience with friends? Uh, so my mom and my sister, uh, when I was growing up, uh, were were big fans of friends. And so I've seen probably the majority of it at, at the well, I don't oh, know wow, okay. I, I, that's not true. I haven't seen the majority of the episodes, but I've seen the run of the show. Like I know what happens throughout the whole show because I've seen bits and pieces of it throughout the entire time that it aired. so, Okay. I'm, I'm pretty familiar with Friends, I would say. 
So what's interesting is my my household was the complete opposite. No one watched Friends. <laughs> uh, I was the only one who watched it, and I think I watched it because it was on. I think before, I think it was on before Single Guy, and then it was uh, Seinfeld. Which, You're just boy, waiting to watch Single, single guy, guy. Got very lucky. What's that? You were just trying to get through Friends so you could watch Single Guy, huh? No, no. Yeah, that's what it was. It wasn't Seinfeld. I wanted to watch John, <laughs> Jonathan Silverman and that weird, weaselly-looking guy yeah. in Single Guy. Um, but yeah, like I, I bet I watched three full seasons of Friends. And I got to tell you, I do not remember the show at all. That's I one thing we'll touch single on. Episode. Yeah, we'll touch on that. Yeah, I... I don't remember it at all. Like I, I remember, I remember an episode. I think that was like a Thanksgiving episode where they played football. Okay, um, you're getting ahead of yourself here. That that's about it. That, that's, <laughs> that's it. That's all you like, need to know. And and I know all the main characters just because I watch so much like pop culture stuff that I know all the names of the characters. Like yeah, I think you kind of have to. Yeah, but yeah. other than that, I I really don't remember. Oh, I remember uh, to the British lady. And Ross. That's it. Yeah, That's Emily, like I think it. her name was. That was sounds right. Yeah. yeah, so this this whole show is, I mean, it's it really is one of the most successful shows of all time. I mean, the... Oh, yeah. And I think there's reasons for that. I don't think it's just like, oh, it happened to be popular. It's a very well-manufactured show, and I say that in both a degrading way and as a compliment. <laughs> Um, it, it knows exactly what it is and it's very good at being that. And that's why it drew such mm-hmm. a huge audience, I think. Yeah. Even, even in the pilot, you can see that it's going for something that, I mean, when we start looking at other shows during this time, you'll kind of see like, oh, there weren't really shows like friends, at least ones that were successful. Um, so yeah, but I mean, was there anything else you wanted to call out about Friends? Like, did you enjoy watching it when your your family was watching it? Like, any opinions? No, I didn't really care for it. Um, I, I didn't... I think I disliked it more at the time than I would now, because now I feel like it's kind of just, like, pretty harmless and, and easy to, you know, digest. But... At the time, my, my my family was so into it that I think it annoyed me, and and I was you know in in school, <laughs> so I was kind of too cool for this, too cool for this shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, too cool for friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's been my life. So my life thus far. Um, yeah. No, I. Uh, me too. I'm too cool for friends. I just didn't. I just didn't really care for it. Um, it kind of. I just thought it was kind of lame. But at the same time, like I said, you know. I was looking at it through a different lens than I am now, so yeah, yeah. I again, like I, I, I felt like I watched it very emotion, like with without emotion, without joy or pain. I didn't hate it. It wasn't like watching Empty Nest on a Saturday. I'm like, <laughs> why am I watching? I mean, there were much worse shows. Night Court, I couldn't deal with. Like, even though a lot of people seem to like that show, we're ta- um, we're talking about Friends here, anyway. <laughs> okay, sorry. Just trying to give you the barometer of shows I was more annoyed by. Okay. Um, so, yeah, like, well, let's get into a quick history of Friends. Um, so this show started in 1994, ran for 10 years, and it had 235 episodes. So this 
this this fucking show got some full orders every year to like give us all you got of this friend oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, they couldn't get enough. Dude, that, that, yeah, that's a lot of episodes. And uh just like really well loved, like eight point nine on IMDB, which is insane. Even for a TV show that's extremely high. I had a zillion reviews. And yeah. then uh tw- and I know it sounds silly, but it was number 21 in the 50 greatest TV shows by TV Guide. So this was like, and I mean, then I know it's a, like, who gives a shit about TV Guide? But that was a big list. That's a big deal. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I feel the same yeah. way. Like, why would I care about TV Guide's opinion? But th- it's not like these are people who don't know television. These are people who are, they're considering it one of the best shows ever made in history. Like, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, I started looking up, and these are all in the Wikipedia thing, but these are just some things I thought were really funny in the, like, conception of the show. So Kaufman and Crane developed the show with NBC. And honestly, like, the way it sounds is that uh, Warren Littlefield, who was the president of NBC, was like, I want, like, a young, hip show. I need a young, hip show with young, hip people in it. At the and time, they, oh, oh, I and, would consider Friends yeah. to be a young, hip show, yeah. Yeah, and this is the funny thing, too. Living together and sharing expenses. That was quoted. He really wanted them to share expenses, though. In the pilot, I'm not sure if that was actually happening. But That uh, doesn't really happen in the show <laughs> so much. Do they yeah. ever even talk about expenses in Friends? That's one thing I don't feel like they talk about very much. It's one of those things they touch on in the show as a joke, but no one ever actually addresses how any of these people live their lives because it'd be impossible. But everyone knows. That's like a long-running joke, right? Like, these people would never right. be able yeah. to exist. So, yeah. So one of my favorite things is they started developing this late 93, and they named it Insomnia Cafe. That Which, is a terrible name. Wow. Isn't that? Yeah, imagine imagine this being in the zeitgeist to be like, yo, did you see last night's episode of Insomnia Cafe? Wow, oh, that, yeah, that's really dumb. <laughs> no one would have ever watched that show. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's some, there's some shows with pretty stupid names. But yeah, that's, that is real bad. I agree. Also, why would people, do they have insomnia because they're drinking too much coffee? Is that the joke? I don't know why it's called insomnia because most of the show is during the day. So even that doesn't make right. sense. That's odd. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways. <laughs> um, I did love this too. Um, so I guess a, a lot of different people were pitching to Lowfield like a hip show. And most of them, he said, were terrible. But when, this was in the article in Wikipedia, when Kaufman, Crane, and Bright pitched Insomnia Cafe... Littlefield was impressed that they knew who their characters were. <laughs> well, you know, I, actually, I <laughs> that sounds stupid, but I understand what they're saying because a lot of shows, especially pilots, especially pilots, have no clue what the characters are actually like. Like they're just like these half-formed things that are there to drive a plot forward. Yeah, and especially in like '93, '94, like characters were pretty bad in they those were things. thin and, very thin yeah but it's still a, a great high bar they're like oh you you have names for them <laughs> that's the goal yeah we already wrote an them. actor they exist yeah <laughs> they're not called blurp and man too 
Is it possible to have an ensemble show about a group of characters and one of them not be an actor? Is that even possible? <laughs> no. I don't think it is. I don't yeah, I don't... Well, they, they only have, like, they have to, the writers are lazy, right? Like, I'm a writer, I'm lazy, and you, you tend to move towards your personal experiences. Yeah, write what you and know. So you can, you, yeah, write what you know. And you kind of see that in Friends, too, like, Chandler and Ross, they have like more professional jobs and they're just complete afterthoughts with them. They're just like, I don't know what they actually do. Like Chandler makes jokes about it. It's like a big joke. Yeah, Ross and is so an like, archaeologist and they make jokes about what a nerd he is for having like an actual job. And then Chan or Chandler, yeah, he just has a job. That, the running joke is that no one knows what he does for a living, which is like, that's a compelling thing to run for 10 seasons, right? <laughs> Yeah, apparently. So, um, just some of the other things that I thought were funny is uh, these producers, Crane Kaufman and Bright, um, they actually like used and punched up unproduced Seinfeld episodes for some ep- like to like premise some of their episodes off of, hmm, which I think is very strange. Um, and then also they only hired young writers and this is a direct quote from them because they said when you're 40 you can't do it anymore yeah well i mean i <laughs> it sounds like he's being self-deprecating but in reality like how is a 40 year old gonna write a bunch of like early 20s people well that's that fair out yes. in the cafe? <laughs> but i think he's saying literally like y- you're not gonna write funny shit if you're 40 or older like, I think that's what he's kind of getting at. Yeah, well, I mean, I think um, you're not going to write shit that's for the audience that they were trying to grab. I think that's true, true in a sense. In a sense. I mean, yeah. you can still write good, like, young characters, but it's a lot harder to connect because you don't know what's in, in the zeitgeist at the time, right? Yeah, and, and I mean, honestly, while it's very cynical, obviously, these are... T- this this production group is extremely successful. They had a few different shows that were successful. So they know what they're talking about, but also seeing stuff like this is like, ugh. <laughs> like, it's yeah, like, it's oh, this much. is why all shows are the same. You know, like... This yeah, is, and that's, that's yeah. the one thing that we will touch on with Friends is that, boy, is this show the same. It is like the most the same show <laughs> it's very good at being exactly what it is yeah and then i think it didn't help that i think a lot of shows just completely copied them right after it came out yes. like they were just like oh this show's doing extremely well and it has no stars in it and we can pay them crap until well until their contracts are up and then they got paying a lot yeah. <laughs> but that but yeah like for a time they could just pay them crap and they I think at the fine, end they know? were making an, a million an episode, right? I think it may have been more. Maybe, I don't know. I think they may have been each making a million. They went in a pact, I know that. Like They were all like, oh, we're, we all want to make this much, and they had to pay them all. No, yeah, it was even. But I'm saying I think they each made a million, which when you think about it, like mm-hmm. we talked about before, these were full orders. These were like gigantic episode orders. So these people yeah, were making... 23 episodes. I mean, every season they're making $23 million, if, if that's the case. Maybe even more, I don't know. But that, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. But they didn't get paid for the Thanksgiving Day Parade. That was uh, all, that was that was thrown in. What a shame. <laughs> that's worth at least five million. Yeah. Um. So, uh, the only other thing I would I would kind of point out is, um, and I just thought this was funny. I guess they got some writers' notes, and 
what <laughs> these these fucking writers' notes are so terrible. So they shot their episode, and they they felt like they needed to soften up the young, like the amount of young in it with an older character. Mm. So that was one thing they wanted, and then which would have ruined the show. Yeah, what's that? That would be like that Gunther guy or something that worked at the cafe. Like what is it? So older. They want someone older than Gunther. Oh, like a literal old person? Like like a 50-year-old. Yeah, like they wanted... Oh my God, that is a terrible note. Like a landlord, like a super, right? Like some dumbass. What's he going to do? Hang out at their houses? Like this is an old guy? Probably like... What are you doing, Cliff? Oh, I'm just fixing the radiator. And then the radio would spray hot gas in his face and he'd have third degree burns. And he leaves the, he leaves the show. He's been mortally injured. <laughs> Four months later, it's just him again. He's like, oh, I'm just doing this. And he gets electrocuted. He's gone for four more months. Just that would actually be pretty great. That would be really insane. Got like a Phantom of the Opera mask on. <laughs> Face is melted off. This is so what a full... terrible idea for uh, for an addition to the show. That is just awful. So the other idea I will give them a ton of credit for was they really embraced the ensemble. And one of their ideas was like, hey, in the pilot we want to have six equal characters. And at first. It sounds like Littlefield and everyone was like, yeah, yeah, we like the script, sure. And then they shot and they're like, you should focus on Ross and Rachel. Hmm. And they wanted to basically make it like every other show where like two characters are really important. And they were just like, no, we're not going to do that. And NBC relented, which is another bad idea. Because like, especially for 10 seasons, they would have just had to focus on Ross and Rachel. Like that that got worn out. In the three seasons I watched it, I felt like. I can't imagine. Well, the show... Like, the, ten seasons of just that. One thing the show does that works really well um, for its fans, again, this is not me, but the the thing that the show does that is very successful is they keep revisiting that plot line, but they don't drag it out for the entire series. That There's always like some kind of problem yeah, that comes up. Breaks. They break up. And then it goes back to them like living their own lives for a little while, and then they rekindle yep. it. And and that's very smart because you know the people. That's what people who are watching the show want. But you can't give them too much of what they want because that becomes boring, right? It's totally. It's, yeah. it's the problem with the office, right? It's the Jim and Pam where if they. Oh God, yes, that's such a great example. Yeah. yeah, if the people get together too early and you let them stay that way, the show doesn't know what to do with them anymore. So you have. And they to made find them so com. They made them so compatible too that when they tried to add like challenge and like adversity to their relationship, it didn't feel authentic. Yeah, it feels it was forced. Just like, yeah, so yeah, we, I was like, these people still like each other. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Totally. Yeah. So anyway, back to friends. Yeah. So they they were smart about the way they handled that as far as like keeping it interesting for for the fans of the show. Yeah. Just a few other quick things. Uh, each episode took six hours to film, which was twice the length of normal sitcoms. But I also sit there and go, these actors only had to work like 20 hours a week, basically. Six hours to awesome. film a, like a show is not that much, though, even. Like, even though it's I know, but that, it yeah. feels, that's crazy to me. But yeah. Um, well, one other thing on this history part, but this was the last sitcom to go number one. Really? Yeah, I thought the Big Bang Theory went number one at some point, but it never did. 
Interesting. So this is the last last show for a season to go number one. Didn't know that. Um, and and the only shows that have gone number one since then are CSI, American Idol, NBC Sunday Night Football, and NCIS. Yeah. We'll watch we'll watch that pilot eventually for sure. Hell yes, we should watch oh that. Oh my god. You want to talk about pivotal shows? That's actually a, a sad one that is incredibly <laughs> yeah. pivotal. Yeah. Um oh, I had one other sorry. So this so Netflix like owned the shit out of friends and everyone watched it. They made millions and millions of dollars off of it. Mm-hmm. And then Warner Media bought it for HBO Max, which I'm sure um, they don't have nearly as many viewers, but they paid $85 million a year for five years, uh, per year for five years. So $425 million for five years of royalties wow. of friends. And if only people could log into HBO Max, you know, they could maybe <laughs> get some people on that, you know. Uh, so uh, one other thing I want to call out before we get into the breakdown of the episode Want to kind of lay the groundwork of what TV was like at this time, what some of the successful shows were. So we have Seinfeld, Mad About You, Frasier, Home Improvement, Roseanne, though I think Roseanne was on its tail end for sure. Like it was yes. it was fading out. Yeah. Um season one of Ellen, which is not good. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Like that was before she came out and it was just like this very hokey show. Uh, Full House, which was also near the end. The Simpsons, Grace Under Fire, which, by the way, was the number one, f- sh- number four show in the U.S. in 1994. Yeah, it was Did big you know for a little while. Watched... It's so weird. I don't remember anyone watching that. Um, Married with Children, Martin. Yeah, the, he's the one person who's not white. And Wings. And then uh, the number one shows, um, pretty much number one was traded between Seinfeld and ER. And ER actually started that year and was just number one instantly, which is kind of insane. Oh, ER was a cultural phenomenon when it, it came was out. A, yeah, yeah, it was I a remember, huge yeah. show. Um, yeah, that's interesting because I feel like there's there's not really a show in that list that's quite like this show, um, which yeah, you'd think agree. there would be, but there's not. Uh, there are better shows, but there are a lot of worse shows. I would say this is probably toward the top of that list for show, like how actually yeah. good the show is. Yeah, so that's interesting. And especially like there's aspects of Married with Children that are really interesting, even going back to it, though there's a lot of aspects that don't age well in that show. But like I'd say like Married with Children by this point was not good at all. Like it was on its tail end as well and it got really bad. Yeah. And um I'd say same with Roseanne. Roseanne had some very good seasons and it got bad too. Um especially the last season. <laughs> but yeah. Seinfeld, I think it's it's kind of weird. Like Seinfeld's the closest thing to me here to Friends. In a sense, I guess, but it's such a different show. Like it's It is. Oh, I agree. Not even it's almost I not think. even comparable in, in most ways just because the tone of the show is entirely different aside from the fact that it's an ensemble. It's hard to really, I would say, like put those two shows in the same category even. So we'll say Wings then. I don't even know. what <laughs> Wings. <laughs> Friends is better than Wings. I'll say that. I'll say yeah, that. I, agree. Very, yeah. I 100% agree with you on that. But yeah, that's, it's right. interesting to see what else was around at that time. But yeah, it's, it's, it is interesting to me how unique it is because it's not that unique of a show. But it's just because there were so many imitators after its success that maybe that's why it feels weird. That 
that's what my feeling was watching it too. I go, God, this feels so like tropey and rote. And then I, I went, but was it back then? And I couldn't remember, you know? And so I think looking at this was kind of enlightening for me. I was like, oh wait, like there was a lot of family comedies and then there was Seinfeld and Frasier. Yeah. Like those were like the different weird shows and right. then like everything else was exactly the same. It's all family comedies. Well, and Martin. Martin was weird too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Was a, Martin was its own yeah. animal though because it's it's not yeah. it's a completely different demographic and it's just nothing like any of these shows really. So What was the character Shanene? Like Shanene's yeah. an insane character. So like yeah, it's just so different. Yeah. Um so let's let's get into breaking down the episode. I mean, the show starts with a with a bang, you know, with with the classic <laughs> Rembrandt's "I'll Be There for You," which yeah became like a top ten, top twenty song, right? Like it was yes, on the it was, radio. It was on the radio often. Yeah, it was big. It's not a very. And I love the music video. That's okay. no, it's not. But I love the music video for it, and I, I I didn't watch it again, but I just remember it. It was basically the credit opening, but just in like tan color like sepia and them like goofing off but it was different footage of them goofing off in a different place and i was like why didn't you just use the commercial like credits? well it's like when uh when someone writes a book and then that book becomes a movie and then they reprint all the, the books with the picture <laughs> of the character from the movie they're like what do you think we're gonna make this video like this is, no one's gonna recognize this song if it weren't for this show so we'll just play into that that's what i would do i mean shit i think the video is literally just three minutes of jennifer aniston pointing at the guitarist just going like yeah huh 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 <laughs> yeah uh, what were some highlights for you i got like the lamp is putting out a lot of light like they turn on that lamp and it lights up like the entire field. Oh, highlights of the, of the intro. No, yeah, the highlights of the intro. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're yeah, I'm going there with this. They're bad dancers, but I think they're intentionally, oh, yeah, intentionally dancing stupidly. So I guess I can't judge on that too much. Um, I would say honestly, Friends intro is fine. It's it's fine. It, the only reason that it's so iconic is because the show was, not because it's particularly good or bad. It's just fine, but it's got a catchy song behind it, and it's a bunch of people who are all in the show dancing whatever, you know. Dancing, you know, drinking fountain water, lounging, having a good old time. Yeah, they're getting... They're, 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 it's odd, like, how friendly they are in the intro because of the fact that, like, at the beginning of the show... Some of the characters weren't really friends at all. They like they they didn't even know each other yeah. barely. But that's you know that's the nature of when they order like a bunch of episodes. By the end of it, they assume that they're all buddies. So whatever you know. Yeah, I also wanted to uh, call out that like it's in this giant courtyard. The opening theme, and it's like I don't think there's a single courtyard like that in New York City, but. Oh, we'll it's probably, probably been turned a into a parking lot if it was, because that's yeah. <laughs> that space must be worth millions and millions just for that amount of real estate. Yeah, that's where Hudson Yards went, probably. I, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's... <laughs> so uh, the show opens up, and um, it opens up on Central Perk. And uh, first note I have here is this coffee shop is not utilizing its square footage. I don't know if you've heard no. like the theory of using your square footage in that like. You got to treat tables like rent. They put a fucking couch 
and two small couches in the center of the place, they're they're not getting at maximizing this. Yeah, place, there's not a lot of seating in Central Park. That's true, but. They, they did manage to put all of their most famous clientele in one area of the restaurant, which was smart. <laughs> That's clever. The, ap- the actor number crunchers. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what Phoebe does. Uh, it doesn't matter, I guess. She's an earth lady, aroma therapist. I don't, I don't know. I don't know yeah. what she does. But we're introduced to the main characters uh, with actually just mostly a story. Um, so it was like Monica likes a guy and Chandler goes like, does he have a hump? Yeah, it's basically yeah, them. She's, she's about to go on a date, which she says is not a date. It's just a, a meeting with friends where two people don't have sex. And then of course Chandler makes a joke like that sounds like a date to me. Cause that's yep. a joke. And it, it, but yeah, it's, it's like this intro of like, we're, trying to set up a plot line for later in the episode, which by the way is not very uh, good. (laughs) Hey, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah. By the way, um, I think what Chandler's saying is he he just prefers escorts. Oh, I see. Just no dates. Let's get right down to it. (laughs) And here's the thing, like this happens throughout the episode. Why is Monica having trouble finding men to go out on dates with her? Oh, like, this is a thing. She's in, a beautiful woman. Yeah, but this is a 90s sitcom trope. That's like something that's been yeah. in all of these shows where it's like this group of really attractive people have such a hard time meeting someone when it's like, why? And I, I get maybe they have trouble meeting someone permanently. Right. But like they should be... They should have a line of guys just, you know, yeah. asking All outside them what's the up. central perk, just Ooh. waiting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I saw you cooking at that restaurant. I saw you because you were in the center of the restaurant. Yeah. Um, so, so there's. We'll get to that too. Well, actually, we'll, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll point this out after the next scene because there's this running theme in this pilot and I don't remember well enough. If this is something that happened throughout the whole run, I know it happened a lot in the first season or two, but I, I, I don't know. So we'll talk about this in a second. Oh, okay. So so the next part is this Chandler dream part, which never, like, it comes back in the credits, but it has nothing to do with anything. It doesn't develop the characters in any way. Yes. I wrote ABF plot. <laughs> like, what is this thing? And it takes, like, two minutes, and it's this weird dream about... Um, his mom calling his dick yeah. So phone. he basically his dick is his phone. yeah. He's he's in front of the a, a class or a meeting. I think it's a class or something, and he's naked. Oh yeah. right, you completely forgot and, that. And one. then he's yeah, naked, right. which of course is the you know that tropey dream thing. But then all then he has a phone for a dick instead of his dick, and the phone starts to ring, and it's his mom. And there's a punchline where he says. Oh, but that's, it, it was so weird because my mom never calls me, which, okay, this is the thing I want to point out. And I know the show does this in the first <laughs> season or two. I don't, I don't think it did this later. I think they got tighter with the writing. Maybe this, this pilot three or four times has an entire scene that's one minute long. And it's just for the purpose of telling a single joke that has nothing to do with the narrative. And 
Right, yeah. That happens a couple it's times in the show. It's very, very weird. And I don't know why, because it doesn't need that at all. It's so unnecessary. And it's the second scene in the <laughs> yeah. episode. It's like, you don't, you still haven't learned about any of these characters. The only thing you've learned, literally, is that Monica is meeting somebody. She doesn't tell you she's a chef. Yep. You don't know anything yeah. about her. It's very interesting. And then, um, so so I just wrote down in my notes, I was trying to figure out what does the dream mean. Um, and obviously it means that he wants to have phone sex with his Oh, wife. well, it's all you can... That's, that's the only yeah, thing I can it. come up with. It's got to be it. That's very yeah. Freudian. So very Freudian of that. you to, to uh, analyze that. <laughs> I also wrote, do you think her mom is sarcastic too? That's all I wrote. <laughs> oh, God. If his mom isn't sarcastic, how would she raise that kid? He'd be the worst kid ever. He'd be so annoyed. <laughs> she takes everything like matter <laughs> from him. She's just so frustrated all the time. <laughs> could you be? Yeah, could sure, you I'll be do that. any more annoying? Yes. Yes, I could if I tried to. Because of that conversation every day <laughs> for this whole 18 years in the house. Um, so... I got to call out. So the next person that comes mm-hmm. in is Ross. And I got to give this show a lot of credit. And maybe it's me being ready for Ross and having an understanding of Ross. But this show does such a good job in introducing this character. Within 30 seconds, you instantly know who this yeah. character is and everything he stands for and what a fucking sad you, Yeah, exactly. Is. That is the term. Like, That's it's so what terrific. I wrote. On my notes is giant sad sack because that's literally what he. It's like dead on, and it's not. It's not the dialogue at all. It's just his mannerisms and like him sitting down. It's just the guy is so yeah. pathetic, and it's like I'm like, oh, this is perfect. The lesbian stuff, not so perfect. That stuff doesn't age mm-hmm. very well, and it's not even like offensive. It's just lame. And I think back then it was probably pretty innovative joke but so that's a running theme in friends and and again we're talking about the pilot we're not talking about the series as a whole but this show does have a big problem with that with the specifically the lesbian storyline because it touches on that so much and it always treats it even 10 years later when the show is ending still treats it like a novelty like there's some kind of joke there and it's like it's no longer yeah. these people would be so uninterested by that dynamic at this point they've been living with it for years they know she's a lesbian like how is this a thing for you like why are you you know but the show you know the show's a product of its time so what can i say yeah, yeah. totally and it is funny too because like later like there's definitely this whole like oh she got everything and stuff so she's like kind of like the tough lady and ross is like the wuss it's very like fraser crane lilith mm, yeah. too, like that whole vibe so it's the one it's weird. joke but, actually there was um, one joke about the lesbian thing that i did actually think was the first real joke in the show which is when he says like you know joey asked him like you didn't know she was a lesbian and he's like and he says like she didn't know, so how would I know? Which I actually think is actually a decent joke. But yeah. the show just harps yeah, it on decent. it all the time. So it just becomes less and less tolerable. So, so I wrote I wrote also, sometimes I wish I was a lesbian. Now, I didn't find this that funny, but I went like, huh. 
Which I feel like that was the expression I had for most of the jokes in the show. They weren't like groaners. I didn't groan at them. I was like, oh. But it was mostly like. Yeah, it, uh, it's that sound of me go. It's a t. It's that. <laughs> the, you know, the, the thing about that joke, and, and this is the problem I have with the pilot actually, is that it doesn't leave it alone. So he says, like, I, sometimes I wish I was a lesbian. But then he says, did I say that out loud? Which I'm like, oh, come on. Seriously? I'm like, really? <laughs> So then there's another joke, which is another, huh, which is like someone's not going to walk in ready to get married through the door or whatever. And Rachel comes in and then Chandler goes, well, I don't, I want a million dollars to walk through the door, which whatever, that's fine. In the nineties, that's suitable, (laughs) I guess. But it is really interesting that like they decided to set it up where Rachel's coming to visit Monica after jilting her Jilting Barry. They couldn't have named the guy Lamer, which good yeah, job on the writers. Barry. So he jilts Barry at the altar and then decides to see a friend who ha- he hasn't seen in years. Go to the city pretty much blind. It seemed like Monica had a warning, but barely of it. It was it was hard to pick that up, honestly. Yeah. Like it it seemed it seemed like they had a she had some knowledge she was coming. And then she was like oh, well, why didn't you invite me to the wedding? And then it was just like passed aside. But it's like, yeah, no. Yeah. Like, why? if this person's a friend, like, it makes absolutely no sense. And it's like, why did they structure it like this? They could have just made it so that, like, you know, that first scene, they could have shown Monica coming back with her and being like, oh, well, this wedding didn't work out. Like, no one they else is friends with her. They could have skipped almost all like, of the... Other than the thing with Ross, which I think was necessary and, like you said, was actually done really well to introduce this character. But everything before that, they could have skipped it and just had them arrive together. And it would have been the same plot and they would have way more time to develop the characters. Totally. And you didn't need the Paul the Wine Guy stuff that early in the episode. Yeah, no, it, it didn't needed. help. Like, yeah. they could have introduced yeah, that it later. that didn't need to be the opening. Because they talked about it... They, they talked about it again before they went on the date. They do, yeah. So it didn't matter. Like, they didn't need it all. So, um, I just wrote, like, some stuff about Rachel's monologue about looking at a gravy boat and deciding that the gravy boat was sexier than her soon-to-be husband, Barry, and that he looked like Mr. Potato Head, which is like, Jesus Christ, you're just, like, dragging this dude through the, through the fucking, yeah. tu- like, the tundra. You're killing this fool. Like, what the fuck is wrong pretty, with you? Also, why did you get this far? She goes pretty hard on him for, for someone who she was supposed to marry, like, earlier that day. But, yeah, I mean, I guess it's more like she never wanted to marry him. But she acts like it's a revelation, which I think, like, later in the show, it seems like they imply, like, she kind of knew that and just never did anything about it. But it's also, yeah, it doesn't make her look good in the in the first episode. It makes her look like a total Oh, jerk. no, yeah. no. Totally. Well, I'll get to my thoughts on Rachel in this pilot. <laughs> but, like, anyways, uh, so um, one interesting thing is uh, Rachel asks for a sweet and low, and then Ross puts the sweet and low in her coffee while she's telling her story. Yeah, it's very awkward. Didn't make him look, it, yeah, it didn't make him look sad. It just was extremely confusing. The weirder thing weird. is that after he puts the sweet and low in her coffee, like she continues talking and then he like slowly grabs a spoon and starts to like stir it a little bit. Yeah, oh, it's really? fucking bizarre. <laughs> it's bizarre. 
it, 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 yeah, like you said. I think they were trying to bring in the spoon <laughs> multiple times for their little metaphor. Maybe. At the it's end. not even creepy, aside from, well, maybe it's a little creepy, but it's more like. It's. it's yeah, it it's more little. like just like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> why are you doing that? <laughs> yeah, it's very odd. It's yeah. so weird. Um,. So after that scene, we get more Rachel uh, talking to her dad on the phone at back at the apartment. She says that she's going to stay with Monica. And Monica's like, well, I guess she's staying with me or something like that. And everyone laughs, even though it's not a good joke. Um, she has a, but it's necessary. There's a long dialogue with the phone, which we can't hear um, about how she doesn't want to be a shoe versus be. It does oh not God. land. Yeah, it does I have not a note land at all. It does not land. It doesn't land with the audience either. No, it's everyone's not just good. silent. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. And then uh, I just love that it sends, ends with, maybe I don't need your money. And then she's like, ah, and then it goes. Yeah, I love the slide guitar transitions in this pilot. I mean, the show still did that too. A lot of shows in the 90s did that. But boy, there's it's a lot oh, of those yes. little weedly woos going on between scenes. And then it it comes back with Rachel breathing in a paper bag, which I just wrote down as my note. Do paper bags work? You can hyperventilate I, if you hold it long I, enough, but it's not the most effective way to do it. Okay. And then I wrote Joey hits on Rachel, which even though I never watched this show, I know what happened with them at some yeah. point. So spoiler alert. Um, and then they start talking about Paul the wine guy. Um, and then they go to the date. And Paul the Wine Guy, I just want to, I wrote a couple notes. I wrote that Paul the Wine Guy is the essential. He 90s is 90s guy. date guy. He is, he's, not, he's like, yeah. if you look at the, the board game Dream Date, he's that fucking guy. And he looks. <laughs> he's like one of the slide, things you slide into the cell phone, the giant phone. When we were watching it together, I think the joke we made is he looks like Judge Reinhold and Ryan Stiles had a baby. He looks just like he's like a halfway I between also, those. <laughs> and I also wrote, uh, he looks like a motivational speaker keynoting at HVAC conference. <laughs> HVAC. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He just does. And uh, he also looks like a wine guy. He looks like a he wine does, guy. Yeah. Good for him. So, so they go off on their date. Um, and then there's a very weird scene where Ross talks about lizards to Rachel and about missing the the honeymoon and how it's not a big deal because of big lizards. That joke kind of kills in the episode, even though yeah. it's, yeah, it's not, not great. great. <laughs> but gets a big laugh. And then... Uh, he invites him, her over to build furniture, which isn't very enticing <laughs> for Rachel. And she decli- She politely declines. Um, and then Phoebe, probably with one of the best jokes in the episode, just goes, oh, why? why uh, she, they ask her if she wants to help. And they're like, she's like, oh, no. No, I she says, like I wish it. I could, but I don't want to. Which oh, is that's right. straight up the best joke in the episode. It's actually the delivery and the joke are both really good. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was the we watched this together the first time and we both laughed. Yeah, it's a good joke. joke. We're like, it's oh, good. it's good. Yeah. So the next scene is IKEA is hard. That's what I wrote. IKEA is hard to build. Um, so they're all building the furniture. And I, I thought about this. Like, was this joke played out in '94? And I I don't know. It may not have been. I don't played think out so. Yet. The IKEA yeah. joke. 
I think it was a fresh joke. People probably were like, yeah, I had to build this flurm and it fucking <laughs> sucked. You know? Starved Brogan <laughs> like, or something. Okay. Some rando. Yeah, Glur, Glur, Blaugen, <laughs> Lord. Um, um, so, so lesbians drink beer from cans. Oh, God, yeah. Because she's yeah. butch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I said, this show does not give it a rest with that. And it, it just—it's like in the in the '90s when the word "lesbian" was considered funny for some reason. Like just mentioning that there were lesbians that they existed. It's like, oh, good one, <laughs> hilarious. So, um, the next scene is probably one of my favorite scenes. I mean, I think that was probably one of the times I laughed the hardest. Was just. So it cuts from this apartment, which looks like an apartment, to a Japanese restaurant. <laughs> wow, and, in uh, quotes. <laughs> this, is a, yeah. this is a place outside of time and space. This restaurant does not exist. It's like... <laughs> this, this restaurant looks like a Lifetime movie from the 90s set. Like, it looks yeah. insane. There's like all these wooden All the wood is unfinished. Like, it's, I, it's like... <laughs> Yeah, and it's really thin. I wrote, I wrote, the walls look like Jackie Chan is going to throw a guy through them. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, so. It also looks just like they had a piece of the set, like, behind another backdrop. And they were like, we gotta make a, re- we got, we got 12 square feet to make a restaurant in here. What do we do? And they just put some beams down and they were like, looks real to me. That's it. Got a table. And then what's great is like there's this inside wall of wood, and then there's this huge amount of space between that wall and the and the out exterior wall, and it's like, what restaurant would do this? Looks insane. Yeah. What do people walk around you? Like what? What is this? It was. It's just an it's incredible terrible, set, yeah. and it looks so much worse than the rest of the show. But uh, <laughs> The the other thing I wrote down is I think he's eating chow mein, which is not Japanese. <laughs> he's eating like fried noodles, which is petty. Well, you whatever. can see that guy though he... going to a Japanese restaurant and being like, <laughs> "You have chow mein," and they're like, "Well, we have yakisoba and we could heat it up or something." You idiot! <laughs> you deep fry it, I guess. Whatever. It's like chow mein, right? It's fried it's noodles. Well, fuck yeah. whatever. Throw some teriyaki chicken on it. Um, so he starts talking about the dentist affair, his wife having an affair mm-hmm. with the dentist. And then uh, talks about how the way he got back at her was to break a watch, which uh, is not anything. Lame. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the weird thing. It cuts between things at this point. It's cutting between three different scenes at this point, which is very advanced for 96. For a pilot like, it is. Whoa, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, especially. So at that at that point they cut to Rachel leaving a message for Barry, which I don't think lands at all. It just doesn't No, work nothing she here. does in this episode lands. Um, I I would agree. I wrote later is is Rachel dumb? <laughs> is Rachel dumb and like cuz in this episode, well yeah. we'll get to it. It's fine. We'll get to it. So um, and then we go back to Ross talking about is there one fish oh, only one fish for me? In the Ross Aquarium, you know, like, come on, that that I know was in a million mm-hmm. shows. Um, yeah, 
And then they started talking about ice cream, different flavors of ice cream. And I, I wrote down, I think this was Matt LeBlanc's audition scene because he was so, like, in it. He's like, bing, cherry, yeah. cookie dough. The, yeah, it's, they're, it's they're like, equating okay, different dude. ice cream flavors to different women. Like, he's saying, like, there's plenty of ice creams out there. And now you can have every ice cream. It's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, and you just got to grab your spoon. And the spoon becomes this recurring yeah. theme, which is like, I swear, like, they hung their hat on this spoon thing, and it just doesn't work yeah. at all. Honestly, in the first episode, I didn't even, like, totally understand what the spoon thing was. I had to watch it again, because I think we were making fun of the show at times and wasn't paying <laughs> enough attention. But, uh, and then uh, Chandler makes a joke about um, the ice cream and about sex and then Chandler goes well stay out of my freezer which is another well yeah Ross says I don't know if so. now they were talking about ice cream and he says now I don't know if I'm hungry or horny and he says stay out of my freezer and this is right. the quintessential friends throwaway joke where it's like they have this <laughs> this setup this whole setup and then it has like a one-liner usually by Chandler because he's Chandler and then the scene just cuts and they do this all the time and it's obnoxious because those are the worst jokes in the show usually they're just they're lazy jokes just lazy lazy jokes that's yeah, not even not like it's, was it funny in the 90s no that's just a lame joke it doesn't matter you could be in the 1890s and that's a lame joke you know what i mean like it's it's just boring <laughs> it's boring boring comedy so um we go back to the date now and it gets to the part you were talking about so um, he basically brings up that he's been impotent, impotent for the last two years since his divorce. First date material um, right there. And yeah, and, and especially with what comes up, it's confounding. But um, yes, it's a very interesting thing to tell a lady on a fifth date. And by the way, I haven't mentioned this is their fifth date. Oh, that's date, right. Um, which, I forgot that was their and, fifth date. And, and they were like, hey, are we going to go out on another date? I think you are. Most people are going to go out on another date at five. Yeah. Most people get married after like two months in America. <laughs> like five dates is like, you probably have triplets by then, for God's sake. So like, I mean, whatever. Like, who cares? So I wrote this down because I thought it was ridiculous. It cuts then to Rachel and she's watching Joni Loves Chachi. Do you ever remember Joni Loves Chachi ever being on television ever in the in your 90s? Life? <laughs> No. Yeah. No. Anytime. No. It was like this failed show. It was after literally no just one, what? A, a, the entire point of that joke was, <laughs> or the entire point of that scene yeah. was just so she could say something about Joni loving Chachi. That's literally it. It's and it, the joke. And you know why matter. people remember Joni love Chachi? Do you remember? Do you understand why people remember that show? Because of the name. Because Scott no, Bale's because a Because of the name of the show. That's it. That's the only reason. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It wasn't that successful of a show. It was only on for a few no, seasons, I no. think. It wasn't. Yeah. So the actual funniest part was this <laughs> montage. If you could call this it that. Two-shot, two-shot <laughs> montage where it starts with Ross and he's like, oh, I just need to, I, I don't know how I'm going to find somebody. And, that, and it's like, how am I going to find somebody? foreshadowing foreshadow and then it cuts to rachel looking out the window and they're playing this song and it's like 
whoever need a hold in, I'll be there. And then it just fades out. It's like 15 seconds It's also long. just very... <laughs> it's it's so forced and also it's a montage with two shots which i've never seen i've it's never so... seen a montage with with less than a, like three or four shots this is just two and it's literally like 20 seconds long it's so confusing it's it's just a weird <laughs> thing and i don't remember i don't remember friends ever doing that but well I, friends I has don't... scenes that are kind of like that occasionally but like not that not like a two-shot montage it's just like it's so bizarre yeah it's not in the spirit of the show it's such a rough mess yeah that that was but it was definitely funny the song's <laughs> ridiculous and it like the song doesn't build up because the montage is so short like it's just it's like still downtrodden. It never pops yeah. up or it doesn't have enough time. It's it's crazy. So then we come back from this very harsh fade out and it's the next morning and Rachel's making coffee for the first time in her life. <laughs> yeah. <I know. laughs> so yep. I don't even drink coffee and I made my first cup of coffee when I was like 15. Yeah. Because I had to for a job. It, like, she's astonishing in the next few minutes. She talks about how she does. She basically doesn't know what a job is. She goes, I'm going to get one of those job things. That's literally why. I'm going to get one of those job things like you guys. What? Yeah. What? It's a, it's a joke from Arrested Development 10 years later where he's making fun of his family. But this character literally doesn't understand, like, the concept of a job, which is mind-blowing. Yeah, and um, I just wrote, is she Rapunzel? <laughs> like, is was she, like, in a tower all her life or in a cage? And did, like, Barry, like, unlock her and then she Yeah, I mean, it's off? like trying to make this um, this very half-hearted joke of, like, oh, she's a rich girl who doesn't understand what it's like to work for a living. But it just makes her come off as, like, a total dunce who's completely tone-deaf to the lives of everyone else on Earth, basically. <laughs> It's kind of amazing. It, it, it's almost insulting too that like this was the main female character of the show. Even though even though the characters were pretty equal, she was still the main female character and the breakout star of the show. And it's like she is probably the worst person in this episode. Oh yes, I definitely. Think. She's overacting like crazy. She's all she's over the place, and her more... character. Like she's significantly worse than Phoebe, who is by far the worst character in Friends. Like she. It... And and she yeah. and this pilot is so much more intolerable and like unlikable than Phoebe. Phoebe actually makes both of the decent yeah. jokes in the whole episode, which is so confusing. So I thought there was one other joke, which was in this scene when Chandler kind of goes, "Well, off to work, got to punch some numbers." And he goes, "Does it really matter? Probably not." And I was yeah. like. Eh. <laughs> Like that was like a bet, slightly better joke. I was like, and I think back then that was a weird joke. Like that was kind of a weird joke to kind of dismiss yeah, his true. job. Yeah, and it was kind of a setup to probably more of what that show did was their jobs were a mm -hmm. joke. Their jobs didn't yeah. matter, and there was a whole scene where the guy's like, "Well, I'm an actor." Joey's like, "I'm an actor," and Monica's like, "I'm a chef," and it all it all makes sense except for the fact that Rachel's like. You have jobs? <laughs> Which is like so crazy. Yeah. It's so insane that she's like, wait, 
You have jobs. <laughs> so um, she's going to get one of those job things. And then we cut to the second worst restaurant set ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Monica's job. So this restaurant set is bad in some other weird ways. Like, So they're behind like this counter. Like, in the center of the restaurant, basically. It's, like, just hanging out. Like, everyone sees them from all Yeah, sides. it's like they're at one of those grills, then, like a like a breakfast grill, where they have the cooking implements in the middle. But it's... <laughs> like an omelet station. Yeah, but it's not. So it's confusing. <laughs> yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's supposed to be a fancy yeah. restaurant. It's bizarre. And she's cooking with, like, one pan. <laughs> she doesn't even have, like, a, uh, an oven or, like, a deep fryer. She's got one pan. She's cooking for a whole restaurant. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really it's crazy. Nice, yeah. um, but my favorite part, actually... Oh, well, I also wrote this note, which is... Is Monica's job ever seen again in France? Uh, they show it very occasionally, but, like, it's not... Okay, it's not, okay. like, a, by any I stretch a central part of the show. And they probably shouldn't show if this is going to be their set. Well, no, she changes jobs. It's jarring. Like, as a chef through the show, though, I think. Like, yeah. So Right. And which is honestly fair. That's yeah. being a chef. Um, so then there's the salad tosser. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that not only has she never made a salad, I don't think she's ever seen someone make a salad. She's kind of holding the two spoons, like, almost completely vertically and like kind of like scooping up that you know what that is that's how you toss a salad when you are paid scale that's what it is because this character i don't recognize her maybe she's in other episodes of the first season or something but i think she just like disappeared from this show like maybe maybe she took like a 30 minute break during the (laughs) during the lunch rush and they fucking fired her i don't know but she's just not in it from what I remember, I don't remember this character. So uh, then, um, you know, Salad Tosser has really strong sex radar and goes <laughs> yeah. like, oh, you must have had sex, Monica. And she's like, how do you know? And uh, I guess the Salad Tosser uh, knows Paul the wine guy. Right. So her line is, oh, yeah, I know Paul. Are you kidding? I take credit for him. Before me, there was no snap in that turtle for two years. So... Um, one, have you ever heard of snapping that turtle as a sexual reference for boner no. sperm coming jacket? No, no. Okay, not cool. a thing. Um, so yeah, that, <laughs> that whole scene is weird. And, and I just gotta, I gotta say like, would this work? Would this, would this type of pickup approach work where you're playing the long game? And saying, hey, oh, yeah, saying so you can't get a boner? And then no. have... That would not work. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I'm not uh, the authority on, on dating or anything, but no, that absolutely not. That would never work. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not, I may not be able to get it up, and I probably won't with you either. Uh, okay, well, um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's a little uh, bit, yeah. Yeah. It's just not worth the effort, right? And then the dumbest thing is it cuts to Central Perk and Joey's like, of course he did it. No, no. no. I'm not I'm not accepting this as, as being a, a, an accepted strategy, especially from someone as cool it's as It's another Joey. 90s trope, though, which is like a guy says something stupid and pathetic to like get someone into bed. It's like this whole thing that existed all through 
90s sitcoms and it's obnoxious it's it's really annoying but friends was not the the first show to do that that's for sure so uh then phoebe starts massaging monica's feet which is weird um and there's a very long pause to just watch her massage monica's feet because she's sad (laughs) and then rachel comes in with stuff she bought yeah (laughs) and she (laughs) she spreads the line that is so (laughs) fucking mind-blowing where she says i had 12 interviews today (laughs) (laughs) who who has ever had 12 interviews in a day i i i just started losing my mind so there's two there's two options here either she had 12 interviews somehow which meant she must have had 12 one-hour interviews. This has literally been up since 6 a.m. running around from location to location. Or, more likely, she must have just walked into places of business, asked for a job, and they were like, uh, we're not hiring. And then she left, and she was like, that's an interview. I knew it. That's exactly what an interview is like. There's no other option. You can't have 12 interviews in a day. That's much yeah, more likely. that seems like that's the reality. Which, which plays into what you were saying, which is maybe she's just very dense. I don't know, but... Well, it doesn't help because right after this, she proves that she doesn't understand how credit cards work. <laughs> right. Because she's like, oh, I bought these boots on sale. And then they're like, well, how did you afford them? You have no money. And she's like, well, with my credit card. And they're like, who pays for my credit card? And she's like, oh, my dad, who's not giving me money anymore. She didn't yeah. say that, but that's basically impl- And so then it, sh- it jump cuts to her cutting her credit cards up. Um, and... Then there's this incredible Phoebe exposition, which is insane. <laughs> like it, it is honestly like for network television in the mid nineties is honestly, it's like pretty ballsy. Like talks about running away from home at 14, living with that homeless albino that killed himself. And then there's this just joke she throws in. She's like, Oh, and then I took aromatherapy and I got back on track. So I know exactly how you yeah. do it. And she's just like, it's so crazy. And then Ross ruins the joke by going, so the only appropriate thing to say is, well, anyway. Yeah, and that's and that's like, the problem with, I think, a lot of these shows in the 90s. But, but Friends did this a lot, where whenever there was something that actually, I mean, I want to say something that landed, but more like something that makes that gives you pause, the show gives you a second. And then it immediately downplays it by giving someone else a line that like throws it out the window like it's a pile of garbage. It's like, no, you should have explored this. This is way more interesting than all the shit you've been talking about. But yeah. no, it's like, well, anyway. Yeah, just yeah dro- it's totally. dropped. Yeah, so anyway, and never talk about it again. Um, I also wrote that uh, Joey is not dressed like Joey. He's wearing leather jackets. Yeah, he's wearing black like, through the whole his episode. Hair's real big. And he has like kind of emo-ish yeah, hair. It's, it's very uh not that character at all. Yeah. Um so the last scene of the episode is uh you hear the like closing American flag music that TV's about to end, which probably no one would understand today, but uh made sense yeah. at the time. And uh like that cue would make zero sense to anyone under like yeah if you're if you're 20 just let me uh explain that at like 3 a.m every night tv just stopped 
They were like, there's no more TV. You you yeah. wait until morning again. You know, fuck you. We're turning it off. And there would be this American flag on the screen, and it would play patriotic music, and then TV would just stop. It's just done. Yeah, it would just go to a black screen or bars or just like an interstitial like yeah. graphic. There's going like, to be like someone out there who's like, what? Like there has to be someone who doesn't know. This was a thing, <laughs> and this wasn't that long ago. This is like when I was younger. There were some networks that ended at like 11. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, some of them were way so earlier because like, they didn't want to pay for the time slots later. They were just like, fuck it. Let's turn it <laughs> like off. The carriage yeah. fees. <laughs> yeah, some of these cable networks like, QVC, we can't stay on anymore. Sorry. Yeah. Can't do it. But then they realize there's a lot of hoarders in the world and they got to keep that shit 24-7. Um, so, anyways, I just wrote, Ross looks like he hit up a clearance set structure. <laughs> yeah. Um, he has like a very big tan oversized shirt on that's like a dress shirt. He'll say he's going to like a Sadie Hawkins dance. And then I thought it was interesting. So Monica's watching TV with Rachel and Ross. And she gets up to go to bed. And someone picks up a watch off the ground. And it's Paul the Wine Guy's watch. And she's like, hey, what do you want? Hey, this, this is Paul's watch. And she's like, oh, you can just leave it there. And she puts it back on the ground. Is it so? Does that stay there all two hundred and thirty-five episodes? What, what happens to that watch? Imagine does it stay the, there the it whole It would be time? great in the finale if they pay, they were like, "Hey, look what I found on the ground," and it's that guy's watch. That would be clever. Don't they move out in the finale? Yeah, yeah. So in the finale, what should happen is something like the super comes in to clean out, and they picks up the watch and they're like, "Oh, yeah, that's okay." Or, yeah, there you go. Or it could be Paul the wine guy as the super. He's like, "My watch." <laughs> <laughs> why not right who cares let's do it uh so then ross uh this is the last scene ross and rachel um and ross asks rachel on a date there's like kind of a back and forth before that where like, they're weirdly ross going Hood. playing with oreos yeah, very weird Oreo stuff going on. It takes him a long He's time like before he even eats the Oreo, but they're like wiping the cream off the Oreo and fiddling with Oreos. <laughs> There's some probably some kind of like symbolism there that I didn't understand, but I did not understand it. Also, he when he asks her out to maybe go on a date, he stares at that Oreo the entire time, <laughs> which probably is what Ross would do. Yeah, it's a character. So maybe that makes sense. It's a character. But it's very strange. It's, awkward. it's like, yeah. hey, are you asking the Oreo out on a date or are you asking me out on a date? Um, which, judging by the way he ate that Oreo after she said that she would go out on a date with him, he, he assertively eats that He Oreo. does, yeah. He knows... He knows he, that's a one-take Oreo. He's not eating <laughs> 30 of them. He just... He goes... Hum! Just like... <laughs> Eats it up. He's super happy. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of a thing before that where he's like, oh, you know, I, I had a crush on you in high school. Yeah, it does that. She's like, thing. I know. Well, you do have to get the t context is like of what happens in the scene is essentially he does finally kind of ask her. He says, like, I think of maybe asking you out. And she's like, oh, I'd maybe say yes. And clearly it's like, yeah, we're, I'll, I'll go on a date with you. So that's like what the scene yeah. leads to. And then uh, Monica walks back out um, just to, like, grab something, I think. And she's like, hey, what's with you? Because he's, like, smiling and eating his dumb Oreo. And he's like, 
I just grabbed a spoon. Yeah. And that's the last line. Which is supposed to be a callback to the spoon thing. But in reality, one doesn't land because it's lame. But also, more importantly, Monica would just be like, what the fuck are you talking about? What does that mean? Yeah, and she doesn't give like a confused look. She kind of gives like a smiley like, mm. <laughs> like no, you have no fucking clue what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, like no idea. She have just done this like super close up of her like nodding like at him like approval. Oh, oh. he grabbed that spoon. <laughs> Do it an okay symbol. <laughs> oh, yeah, just such a such a not like effective way to end the episode. Just because the... I mean, the whole metaphor in the first place was bad. That's why, you know. Yeah, that didn't really work. Um, And then probably the weirdest thing about the episode to me... I mean, it's honestly one of the strangest things. We find out in the post credit scene that there's a new worker at Central Perk, and it's Rachel. She gets a job there. Weird place to put that. And by the way, we mentioned... I didn't mention that her coffee was bad when she made it for the first Mm -hmm. time. So the joke they make is like, oh, um, who made the coffee? And she goes, oh, I didn't make it. And she like walked away and then they all, they drink. Or no, actually like, oh, give, yeah, I'd like more. Which was a joke was like. Yeah, they basically imply her coffee sucks. Coffee again. Yeah. Go figure. But what's so strange is like her job's the only job that matters in this show. Yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, the central crux of the show is their lives, you know, revolve around this coffee shop and, and their interactions with each other in, you know, in the apartments too, but mainly in the coffee shop, right? And so yeah, her job is by far the most relevant to the, the premise of the show. And I think the show knows that it is doing that right away. Like, it's aware that it needs to give her a job and it has to be like around everybody basically mm-hmm. yeah but it also is like yeah it's kind of insulting because she had 12 job interviews in a day and it kind of is like oh she got a job at the coffee shop like that you know but it's it, that's a job it's fine <laughs> something it's a job yeah but yeah apparently the show and- does not respect being a barista i guess yeah and it's it's also just like you know, unless you were really eager to watch the single guy after this, um, I don't remember really watching post-credit scenes all that much. I would get up and go do something and come back to watch yeah. a show. I wouldn't watch because I didn't expect anything, honestly, except maybe like some inconsequential dumb scene that was often not fun. I've watched shows for so, like, three or four seasons before and didn't know there was stuff after the credits until someone told me. Right. In syndication, they usually take them out. Like, they straight up just yeah, take them yeah. out. And so, I can't imagine watching this show and the second episode, all of a sudden, she's working in Central Park. And you're like, wait, what the hell? When did she get this job? <laughs> I, well, we don't know the second episode, though. So, maybe they maybe they reestablish it somehow. But, yeah, it, it, it's still <laughs> weird that that was, like, such an important reveal at the end of the pilot. Maybe they did it like a reality show. <laughs> they cut it like a reality show. So, at the beginning, it's like... I just grabbed a spoon and then like, you know, they showed the end of the last episode and then she shows her pouring coffee and then it cuts. Into it has that thing, thing previously on friends and it's her <laughs> <laughs> getting a job at the coffee shop and that's it. There's yeah. nothing else. <laughs> it's, just that. it's that and the, and the dick phone, and the dick phone dream. <laughs> that's all it is. It's like, Oh, I understand this show completely. Yeah. Now. Um, 
All right, so that's the episode. Um, that's it. We're running a little long, but of course that was going to happen. Also, I mean, this show has a lot of history, and it's just an interesting show. So um, we're going to go into network notes. So I haven't written any down. What would be the notes you would give this show as a as an executive at NBC in 1994? I mean, that's so easy because you just say cut all of these one-scene jokes these three different scenes that are just one joke and have no purpose, cut that shit out and develop the characters more. That's it. Or at the very least, somehow figure out how to fit jokes like this into the actual scenes. Yeah. Like, or in the, one of the plots. Like, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I'd say tone it down, Rachel. Uh, and <laughs> I would say, I mean, in 94, I don't think I would mention the lesbian thing. I, I just no, at don't the time think it, would, it wouldn't. Though. I don't think those jokes land, but yeah, I agree. I, I think at the time people wouldn't have even bothered to think about that as being like not. Yeah, and I I would definitely say uh, don't put a major change in your post credit scene. That's nuts. Yeah. Um, and then don't have Ross stir someone else's coffee. <laughs> if you make those changes, you have a top. One top number one show. Top number one. That's <laughs> top number. That's an one. industry term. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. If you if you're in the business lingo, top number one is uh, that's what they call the the hottest hits, like the mass thing. So here's the hardest question to answer, because we're looking at a show that we know how successful it was. We know what it. Yeah. Would you pick it up if at the time? Do you think as an executive, would you pick it up? Yeah. So, yeah, and you definitely, because it is so easy to be biased on this, right? Because it is obviously a very successful show. Yeah. Um, so, when I looked at the landscape, I think that helped me make my decision. I think I would have picked it up. I don't think the show, I think the show would have been different enough at the time where I would have been like, okay, I'll give this thing a shot. Now, would I have been as confident as NBC was in it? No. I would not have been as confident in it. Um, I probably would have given it like a 13 episode order. I wouldn't have given it a full season. I would have been like, okay, let's see how this goes. I wouldn't have done a mid-season. But that's because mid-season replacements don't fucking work. And I don't know why people ever do them. Like if you believe in a show, you should never do a mid-season on network. It kills almost every show ever. Right. There's, there's, you can count the shows on like two hands that succeed that happen on that. So I would definitely put it out in the fall, give it a shot, but I wouldn't put it on before fucking Seinfeld. I wouldn't put it on my marquee night. I wouldn't (laughs) do that. Like I'd probably put it on like, I think their second marquee for NBC was like Tuesday night. I'd probably put it on then and be like, and I definitely wouldn't give it eight o'clock. No. It'd be getting fucking eight thirty or nine thirty. <laughs> Sorry, you're getting you're getting one of the less less good. I never understood why eight thirty was a bad time slot, but for some reason it is. Like a lot of shows are not successful in the half hour slots. Maybe people can't remember what time the show starts. <laughs> I don't fucking know, but like yeah, I don't know. It, um, it's, yeah, it doesn't really make sense, but that's the reality of it. And you know what's funny? Maybe if I made those decisions, the show would have totally failed. <laughs> Who knows? Because it wasn't on with the right people, right? Like, right. like Seinfeld probably had a lot of overlap with audience and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, like who knows? But that's what I would have done. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say I would pick it up. I, I think I probably, I think I probably would 
were I someone who understood the industry well enough to, to realize that they had something, you know, like that, that they really had something that was, had the potential to be big. But I also can't say that I know enough about the time period to say that I would definitely do that. But I, I feel like it is, especially looking at, like you said, like the stuff that was ha- like that was on TV around that time, it is pretty unique for its time. And more so, regardless of my own opinions on it, it's one of those shows where if you watch it, you're like, I could see how people could really get into this show because it's so, it it has such a very like easy to absorb dynamic and and all the characters are, even though they're archetypes, they're not so tropey to be like completely like just this, this is the actor guy. Like there is an actor guy, but he's also has a little bit more personality than actor guy. Yeah. You know, the show yeah. does a good job with that. And I, and I think that throughout its run, it definitely hones that. And that's what I was saying earlier. The show knows what it is. And it, it, it does a very good job making each character slightly weird enough where they don't just fall directly into this trope and act the same through the whole show. You know, They have like their own little world that they each live in, and it works very well. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder too, though, like... The only thing that, like, now I'm thinking about it, if I was an executive that would give me pause is, you look at all the other shows I mentioned, they all had established stars in them. Even, even like, Grace Under Fire, which I was making fun of, Grace Under Fire had a comedian that was, like, pretty well-known in yeah. it. And, um, and so, that would have been weird, right? Like, there weren't shows where you put a bunch of nobodies on the screen, like, not to bring up the single guy again, but the single guy had Jonathan Silverman, who was in films. He was known. He was a known quantity. Yeah. Though, yes, he was in mostly crap, but like he made money, so who cares? And they threw him in a show, and and so I I think that's that would be a tough pill to swallow. I think back then because it wasn't really proven. Like it wasn't proven to put a bunch of nobodies on a screen. Together, yeah, it... except for maybe Wings. But Wings is not a good example. It's like, easier Wings to, should have never lasted. It's easier to do now, but that's also because we're in the age of the internet and people tend to root for that home, like that DIY feel of like a show doing things that like that are kind of underground. But at the time, I agree. I mean, it was not easy to pitch a show that had no names and, and to uh, come yeah. out of nowhere with a with an ensemble cast of people no one's ever heard of. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a difficult thing to pitch. But, you know, I think this this show also, in, in some ways, really was what set that bar for, like, can you succeed with a show that no one really has any stake in? You know, no one, no one knows what this is. And it's a bunch of no-name people. And the answer is yes. I mean, if you have the right formula, then absolutely, because this show was obviously a smash hit. I mean, became one of the most successful shows in history. So go figure. Yeah. So uh, that was Friends. Well, before before we end, what do you feel about this as a pilot? Do you think it's good? Do you think it's bad? I think it's. I, I think it's very. I think for the time period, it's actually quite good. I think. In the context of today, it's pretty weak. It's like a weakish. Yeah, but know, we're not talking not, about today. It's not terrible. We're talking about when the show came. No, I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. At the time, I'm saying it was above average. Sure. Like I, I definitely would say. I mean, 
this is probably more watchable than the Seinfeld pilot. Yeah, the Seinfeld pilot's not like, very good. The, yeah, I mean, the whole first season of Seinfeld is pretty rough. Yeah. I mean, maybe even the first two seasons. So, like, honestly, it's it's definitely... I mean, we watched quite a few pilots on uh, on one of our prior podcasts, and a lot of them were really bad. Like, <laughs> That's true. This one's much... Like, we watched the Wings one, and that one was like, what is this? This is <laughs> yeah. crazy. Like, had major pacing issues and stuff. So, like, you know, that's from a similar time period. And, and yeah, I'd say, like, this was pretty good for that time. I think it's a good um, pilot. I, I, I honestly, like, yeah. you know, we spent the last hour and a half ragging on it because that's what we do. But in reality, for for its time and what it is in relation to the show that it became, I think it's a pretty damn good pilot because the, most importantly, more than anything else, and and definitely more than most pilots ever, is the show knew exactly what it was from day one, and it has the same exact five characters that are central to the show with the same personalities they had throughout the entire show. Like, almost no pilots feel like the show they become. Yeah, this show... This show does feel like Friends, whereas, like, if you watch the first episode of The Simpsons, oh my oh god, my god. Like, it's not even it's the bad. same show at all. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, and, and I bring up these shows because this is this is what we had during this time. Like, I think like a, a comparable one that felt a lot like what it ended up being was Frasier is a good example of a show. That and again, though, Frasier like was a predefined was. character that already oh totally yeah. it's different had a star exactly yeah yeah. So, yeah, no, I think it is pretty good. Um, I think if it came out today, obviously, it would it would be very difficult for it to be successful because it's just everyone's copied. Yeah, it. exactly. It's so like it's, it's very hard. Yeah. I mean, it's like if you compared Seinfeld's pilot to stuff that's out now, you'd just be like, well, I've seen this a million times. It's like, well, yeah, because they copied the show that you're seeing. That's exactly why, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, we did it, though. We picked our first show. We took it to order, and it was one of the biggest shows of all time. So obviously... We're yeah, I'd like to pat this. myself on the back for picking up this. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're going to start a network. Um, yep. It's a great time to start a network. You know, lots of lots of actors working right now. Um, yeah, not streaming, though. You know, we're doing ca- We're doing cable only. Ca- oh, yeah, cable only. Um, and it's only going to run in the hours where the flag's showing. <laughs> So we'll 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 quarter the market. <laughs> we'll, we'll have the whole damn market, man. You got it. No one's gonna beat us. <laughs> all right then. So, all right. Well, uh, if you're listening out there, thank you for listening to our first episode. We'll be back with another episode of some other show uh, with its first episode. And thank you for listening to our first episode of our first episode. <laughs>